Troubled heart, troubled still as I walk in the valley of the shadow of death. But I'm the shadow of that valley. As I strike them with one rod, while another comforts them, why won't they die as I strike them with my left, as your right upholds them? All I'll kill them, inhale, I'll kill them, exhale, I'll kill them, inhale, so on and so forth. I walk as the dust of my sandals covers their face, while mine is clean, mine is pristine, following none but myself on this dusty Damascus road. And then, a light, I'm yours. An emanating illumination, eliminating all I thought I knew, a light I'll see no more until I see your face again, there, in that place where every taste is satisfied, every desire fully known, and consummation here, but until such appointed time, I wait, and endure, a darkness, a pain, a thorn, a longing for the light that keeps me running, keeps me racing, a longing for the light, a longing for the sight that took mine, but left me not in darkness, then, now, and nevermore. Paul Burkhart, Damascus The Fractal Chaos Fades Unit Production Manager, Sarah Desmond First Assistant Director, Matthew Penry Davy. Key Second Assistant Director, Charlie Reed. The last bits of chaos are pink, and then the screen is black in time to be behind the cast in order of appearance. Danny Roth, Sci-Fi.com, 21st October 2019. Quote, Horror movies are seldom just viscera painted on walls accompanied by the soundtrack of a blood-curdling scream. For every tar zombie hungrily screaming for brains, there are many more stories about the ghosts who haunt us over the wars we've lost from both without and within. As the 2010s wrap up, it feels even more so that horror, as a genre, spent the last decade wanting to have its metaphors writ as large and unmistakably as possible. The Witch had its takedown of patriarchy. The Babadook looks compassionately at generational mental illness. And It Follows is an unflinching portrayal of our most basic fear of mortality. But maybe the most honest of all of these is Alex Garland's 2018 film, Annihilation, an alien invasion story that digs to the core of human self-destruction in a way that both breaks the heart and chills the soul. Annihilation is a tragedy on every level, even in its meta-text. Quite infamously, a disagreement between producer and creator prevented Annihilation from seeing a proper long-term cinematic release. A fast and dirty deal with Netflix meant most people saw Annihilation from home, if at all, making the production seem like a box office failure, and that kept even more people away. But I think it's more than that. I would say that it's far easier not to watch Annihilation in almost every respect. It's quiet and slow, but it's also unsettling and even genuinely triggering in places. You're probably going to feel bad while watching this thing, but watch it anyway is not the most ringing endorsement. What Annihilation is remains hard to define. Yes, it's about aliens coming to Earth with mysterious and seemingly destructive intent. Yes, it's about a group of scientists trying to know that intent despite it being unknowable. Yes, there is a bear that screams with the voice of a woman it devoured. And yes, it is, to some degree, about cancer. But the core theme of Annihilation is right in the title, and in most cases, it is about self-annihilation. Annihilation states its thesis plainly, whether it's a marriage ruined, a good job abandoned, or our very selves fighting against themselves. 
Annihilation is baked into every human's DNA. We want to self-destruct. We want to die. Maybe we'll fight it at first, struggle to understand death, but, in the end, everything we are is predestined to change until there is nothing of us left, not even our name. And, deep down, even if we've never had a single suicidal thought, every one of us still wants that. Annihilation isn't just about what makes that revelation sad or scary. It's also about what makes our inevitable self-destruction pragmatic, even hopeful and beautiful in moments. End quote. Chris Evangelista, Slash Film, 26th February, 2018. Quote, If there is an answer to annihilation, perhaps it is this. Self-destruction is coded into these characters, just as it is coded into all of us. Try as we might, we can't outrun it just as the characters here cannot escape the horrors of Area X. Garland renders the Shimmer and Area X as something crossed between a dream and a nightmare. Indeed, when Garland spoke of adapting Jeff Vandermeer's book, dream logic was baked into his thought process. Much has been made of how vastly different Garland's film is from the book, and that is by design, not accident. I thought, reading this book is like a dream, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to adapt it like a dream, the filmmaker said. I'm not going to reread the book, I'm going to adapt it from my memory of the book. In some places, it will correlate very closely, and in other places, it won't. It's a dream response to a dream book. There's beauty within the shimmer, mysterious flowers, crystallized formations, deer-like creatures with blooming antlers. But there's horror, too. Early on, the team runs afoul of a mutated alligator. And then there's that goddamn bear, a movie monster that I have no doubt will one day be remembered alongside iconic creatures like the xenomorph from Alien or the many mutated forms of the alien from John Carpenter's The Thing. And then there are the horrors of uncontrollable mental breakdowns. Annihilation never comes right out and says it's a movie about depression and anxiety and general mental instability. But beneath all its genre trappings and nightmare bears is the underlying sense of wrongness that anyone who suffers from depression is familiar with. The sensation of not being entirely in control of yourself or your emotions. The terrifying feeling that any moment you could lose your tenuous grasp on normalcy and slip into full-blown panic. This first presents itself through Anya. Gina Rodriguez has a tough balancing act here. She has to very subtly go insane before our eyes and not give it away too soon. Rodriguez pulls this off magnificently, mostly due to body language. She goes from being very upright, carrying herself with strength and grace, to being much more hunched over, much more twitchy, the further the team travels. Once in the Shimmer, the team comes across a video recorded by the previous expedition. On it, Lena and company witness a genuinely alarming sequence in which Kane cuts open the stomach of another team member and wraps his hands around the man's intestines, intestines that are clearly moving like eels. This video understandably unnerves everyone, but Anya in particular seems to truly begin to come apart at the seams once watching it. She shrugs off the whole moving intestines thing and chalks it all up as proof that the previous team went crazy. But the terrifying thought that begins to set in is this. If they went crazy, how soon will we go crazy? Anya turns on the team, tying them up and threatening them with injury before she, herself, is brutally torn apart by the bear. If the bear didn't destroy her, sooner or later, something else would. She had fled as far as she possibly could. Sooner or later, whatever she was running from, physically or emotionally, would catch up with her. And perhaps that's the truly unsettling message of Annihilation, that we can only outrun the things that are trying to destroy us for so long, before sooner or later they corner us in the dark and tear us to shreds. End quote. I have talked in recent episodes about the larger self-destruction we are all a part of. 
the environmental angle of Vandermeer's trilogy of novels, ends in a sort of acceptance because we have been following characters who have been altered by Area X and who deliberately remain within its borders. The film avoids some of the environmental themes, explicitly, by focusing in on Kane and Lena. As blogger Fiazation describes, 23rd March 2018, a common response a general audience may have to the end of the film, which I have previously countered myself in this show. Quote, the question that everybody seems to be asking now is, is the Lena that came back from the Shimmer the real one? My question to them, does it really matter? Compromise comes from changing one's self and accepting the other. Although Kane dies in the Shimmer, he left a lot of himself in the double and took his self-destructive nature with him. Lena comes back from the Shimmer without her self-destructive nature as well. Although both are vastly different from the persons that went into the Shimmer, both have returned with a changed self. Their past mistakes are, at this moment, quite irrelevant. They both accept each other as who, or to be precisely what, they are. And as to the question of what they are, they are simply two human beings striving to survive through life's searing depression and self-destructive tendencies. End quote. How the rest of us do it remains to be seen. roll. Time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside. Annihilation. Annihilation.